listening to the podcast of Northside Assembly of God in Crowley, Louisiana. Amen. I'm excited. So like the last, um, the last month or so, we have been hovering over a certain passage in Colossians uh, at the latter end of chapter 1 into chapter 2. We've been looking at it for four, something like four weeks. And if you will indulge me, we're going to look at it one last time. And I promise you next Sunday we will break some new ground. We'll move forward. But I just want to stick around here uh, in in the latter part of Colossians 1 just one more time because it's just so rich and there's so many good things that we can pull from it. And, um, And so the title of my sermon this morning is Being Rooted in Christ. Being Rooted in Christ. This is too loud. being rooted in Christ. Amen. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. And we'll read this whole passage going into chapter 2, verse 7. And then we're going to pause and pray. Paul is writing about Jesus here. Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Everybody say, fully mature. Fully mature in Christ. That's what we want to be. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pause and pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful this morning for Your sweet presence in this place. Speak to us. Speak to the very core of our beings. We're hungry for you, Jesus. And we need you. Give us today our daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so for the last month, we've been looking at what Paul calls this mystery that's been kept hidden for the ages but has now finally been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's what Paul calls the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that from the very foundation of creation, 
God's plan has always been to unite Himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And by that means, bring us into triune fellowship and envelop us in His triune love. Let me say it a different way, simpler way maybe. God's plan from the very beginning is He wants to dwell in you and He wants you to dwell in Him in a way that reflects and participates in the same way that God dwells within Himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, one of the absolutely foundational doctrines of Christianity is the doctrine of the Trinity. That God is one. The Lord our God is one. But God exists as three distinct persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three in one. Pastor Ryan, how does that work? Can you explain the Trinity to me? No, I cannot. No one can. We can give illustrations to kind of help, help us see things in a certain way, but you cannot explain the Trinity. As Christians, we always explain what we can, but we always confess more than we can explain. I can't explain how resurrection works. I just confess it to be true. But God for all eternity has existed as one God in three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And for all eternity, these three distinct beings have dwelt together in perfect unity, perfect fellowship, and perfect love. And what God wants to do is He wants to take the human race, whosoever will, and He wants to envelop us and include us in that same fellowship, in that same unity, in that same love. And this has been God's beautiful plan from the very beginning. And this plan has now been revealed and accomplished in Christ Jesus. And when you catch a glimpse of this, I mean, more than just see it in your mind, when you see it spiritually, when you catch a glimpse of it, you can't, be, you can't help but be overwhelmed by the beauty of it, by the power of it. God's plan could not be more beautiful than it is. And when you say yes to it, when you surrender to it, well, it means now you're living in a story that cannot be improved upon. Yes, human life on earth, sometimes there are horrific things that happen. The world's a tough place. But the beauty of redemption, the beauty of the salvation story, the beauty of this mystery is beyond measure. It's beyond words. Even this week, as I'm sitting in my office, you know, periodically during a day, every so often as I'm doing all of the stuff that I do, I'll pause for like three, four, five minutes and I'll shut the door and I'll go sit in my comfortable chair in the corner and I'll just take a moment and remind myself that God is present. Truth is, He's always present, but I'm just not always aware. 
And I'll remind myself of that. And I'm, I'll remind myself that right now I am sitting in the very heart of the triune God. And I'll do that periodically. And every so often, it goes beyond just like reminding myself where I just think about it. Every so often, the coin just drops in the slot. And I'll taste it. And there's like an aroma in the room. And I get overwhelmed by it, like this week. And it's beyond words. Right now, let's pause. Close your eyes. I want you to be aware right now that God is present with you. And I want to remind you that right now, you are loved with a love that cannot be improved upon. You're swimming in the perfect love of your Heavenly Father. In fact, right now, the Father loves you with the same exact love that the Father has for His own Son. That's what John 17 says. And this is not just true in the future tense. This is true right now in the present tense. You are sitting in the very presence of God and you are located in the triune heart of God. And so even as we move forward with this message, as I continue to preach, I want to challenge you to just reserve part of your brain space to just stay aware of this in these next few moments. I want to challenge you to stay aware that you are right now located in the very heart of the triune God, and you will be for all eternity. Now open your eyes. This is what is true. This is the truest thing about you. And this is what is real. But if we're honest, sometimes our experience is that we don't always feel that it's true. Sometimes our feelings, our experience doesn't line up with what is true. And the root of the problem is that we're living underneath the clouds, as I said two weeks ago. And there are things that get in the way of us experiencing what is true and, and who God is. So, for example, scriptures say that if we surrender ourselves to Jesus, the very Spirit of God lives in us, and we have this deep reservoir of living water living on the inside of us. And that is what is true. But if we're honest, sometimes our experience is that we feel like we're living in a desert. And what's true is that you've been given the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. The very power of God is working in you right now. But our experience is that sometimes we feel powerless and weak. And what's true is that if you're a follower of Jesus, God has given you a peace that passes all understanding and it dwells on the inside of you. But our experience is that sometimes we feel full of anxiety. And what's true is that you've been given a spirit of fearlessness, but what we feel is that sometimes we feel full of fear. And what's true is that we're children of the Almighty God who reigns on the throne. Of 
and what's true is that every moment of your life you are enveloped in the perfect love of the Father. But our experience is that sometimes we feel alone. How many of you sometimes feel alone? And what's true is that right now you're located in the very heart of the triune God. But our experience is that maybe right now you just feel like you're sitting in a building on the corner of Eastern and Northern, and you don't feel like you're located in the heart of the triune God. So our, our feelings and our experiences, to some degree, don't often reflect what is true. And the root of the problem, once again, is that we live in a fallen, oppressed, cloudy world. If you were not here two weeks ago, I preached a sermon called Piercing the Clouds. And I gave an illustration. I said, you know, recently Carrie and I were on a flight. And on the day that we were going to be flying out, um, it was a nasty day. Just horrific weather. Overcast, gray skies. Cold, drizzly. Dreary, gloomy day. Depressing day. And the plane takes off, and we go right into this dark, ominous cloud, and, and there's turbulence, and the plane's shaking. But as the plane continues to climb in altitude, eventually it ascends above the clouds, and right there, boom, the sun comes out. And you can see the sun and all of its brilliance and all of its radiance and all of its glory just shining. And it occurred to me in that moment that this whole time the sun's been shining. The sun doesn't stop shining. The sun's been burning with the same intensity for four and a half billion years. It never wavers. It never stops. It never flickers. It just shines and shines and shines. But the truth of the matter is you and I don't always experience the sun the same way, day to day, moment by moment. But the problem is not the sun. The sun always shines. The problem is there are things blocking the sun. There's a thick bank of clouds that affect the way you and I experience the sun. And in the same way, God is constantly shining upon our lives. The, the, the love of God is constantly burning towards us. His grace and His mercy and His power are constantly working in our lives. But we don't often experience the shining of the sun. We don't always experience God at the same level. But the problem is not God. The problem is there are clouds. There's a cloud of deception. We live in a cloudy world that's saturated with lies. Lies about ourselves, lies about God, lies about one another, lies about everything. And, and it pollutes the very spiritual atmosphere that we breathe. And it's hard sometimes to really connect with God. It's hard sometimes to feel this peace that we're talking about. And we wonder where it is. Is it just made up? Is, is there really joy in Christ that passes all We sing about these things, we talk about these things, but sometimes it's just not part of our experience because there are clouds, there's pollution, there's smog spiritually that blocks it. And so the question is, how can we get from underneath the influence of these lies, this sin, this deception, these clouds? Which is another way of asking, how can we become fully mature in Christ? And that's what Paul says he strenuously contends for. I strenuously contend that you would be presented fully mature in Christ. Because Paul understands this is the responsibility of every teacher and every leader in the body of Christ is to lead people on the trajectory of becoming fully mature in Christ. I've never been more aware of that. I have never been more aware of that than I am right now. The goal for my life and my vision as a, as a minister 
is not just simply how can I get more people inside of a church building or how can I get more people to listen to a sermon or how big of an offering can we get this Sunday? None of those things are the criteria of success that I'm going to be judged by as a leader. What God's interested in is, am I leading people in the trajectory of becoming fully mature in Christ? And that's what I hope to be obsessed with for the rest of my life. And I want to share something this morning that I believe is so foundational to this maturing process. And it's found in these last few verses that we read here this morning. So I want to look at these last three verses together. Colossians 2 verse 5. Let's read them and, and then we're going to break them down a little bit. Paul says, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So let's break it down. First of all, Paul says he delights in how disciplined they are. Everybody say disciplined. The Greek word here for discipline, it means to carry out an order, to perform a duty. For those of you that have military backgrounds, you can testify that to be a good soldier, to be a trustworthy soldier ready to carry out an order, you've got to be disciplined. There's no such thing as a trustworthy soldier who is not disciplined. And it begins the very first moment of boot camp. You're going to learn how to live a highly regimented life. You're going to wake up at a certain time. You're going to be taught to dress a certain way, to respond a certain way, to walk a certain way, to eat a certain way, to breathe a certain way. Everything you do is regimented, and you've got to live a disciplined life because the military understands you've got to be a disciplined soldier if you're going to be trustworthy to receive an order and be trusted to carry it out. It begins with discipline. And you and I are disciples, it's the same word, of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ is our commanding officer. And God wants us to always be attentive and keep our walkie-talkies on spiritually. Because you never know when our commanding officer might have an order for you. It might happen in the middle of your workday. And your commanding officer says, soldier, I need you here. I need you there. I need you to carry this out. But it begins with living a disciplined life. That's what disciples are. Disciples are ones who are being disciplined to live a certain way. And, and you cannot be a Christian without discipline, without effort, without telling yourself, this is what I'm going to do, without telling, without telling your feelings, I don't care how you feel. This is what I'm doing. This is the decision I'm making. I don't care if I don't feel like going to church. I'm getting up and I'm going because my commanding officer needs me there. And Paul delights in how disciplined they are. And then he delights, he says, in how firm they are in the faith. And the word that's used here, it means to stand or to be solid. And the, the, uh, the image is sort of like a tree, like you and I would think maybe an oak tree. To stand firm like an oak tree. You know, wind may, may, may bend other trees. In fact, the winds of life may break other trees. But Paul says, you Colossian Christians, you just stand firm and nothing bends you, nothing breaks you. You stand solid. But the reason they stand firm is because of how disciplined they are. So like a good teacher, Paul affirms them. 
He encourages them and he shows them, I want you to know God's at work in your life. And sometimes that's what a leader has to do is sit somebody down who doesn't know that God's working. They don't see it. They don't feel it. Sometimes they feel abandoned or they feel like they're on this thing by themselves. And sometimes a leader is, is able to say, you know what? Let me tell you, I can see God at work in you. Here's how God's working. You're disciplined and you're firm in the faith. You're not, when, when chaos is happening all around you, you, you're not wavering around. You're not bending around. You just stand firm. And then he's got a command for them. He says, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. In the Greek, the word he uses here, it literally means to walk, to walk a certain way. So Paul is saying, listen, I'm glad that you received Christ as Lord at a certain point. Maybe how many of you remember a certain day or a certain time where you received Christ as Lord? That's wonderful. Okay. But Paul's saying, just as you did that now, Continue to walk step by step under the Lordship of Christ. You submitted back in 1994. Are you submitted in this step, in this moment, step by step? Christianity is always present tense. You can't live in the past. You can't live in the future. This is the only life you have to live right this very moment. Are you surrendered in this moment? Continue step by step to walk acknowledging the Lordship of Christ. And then Paul says, look at this. He mixes his metaphors here. And he says, being rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. So he goes back to the tree image. The most important part of a tree is the root system, the part you don't see underneath the surface. Why? Because it's from the roots that a tree gets all of its nourishment. And the deeper the roots go, the more strong and the more firm that tree can stand. And so if you mix the metaphors here, here's what Paul's saying. It's kind of odd, but, but just think of it this way. With every step you take, every moment, every step, make sure the roots go deep into the ground. And the ground in this case is Jesus Christ. He's saying, get all of your nourishment from Jesus Christ. All of your life should come from Jesus all of your sense of identity and worth should come from Jesus. Not from anything else. Not from your vocation. Not from your accomplishments. Not from your political affiliation. The most true thing about me is that I belong to Jesus. That's my identity. Get all of your sense of value, your core sense of worth from Jesus. Not from anything you've done, not from other people's opinions. Get it all from Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. Paul's saying every moment, step by step, be rooted in Christ, getting your nourishment from Him. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. To the degree that we do that, we're going to be standing firm like an oak tree in the midst of the chaotic culture we're living in, all of the social unrest, all of the craziness, all of the fear. You and I, we're going to be standing strong. We're not going to be shaken. We're not going to be bent. We're not going to be broken. We're going to stand firm in Jesus Christ because our worth doesn't come from anything of any other source. It comes solely from him, and he's unshakable. Amen. To the degree that we're not doing that, that we're not rooted in Christ moment by moment, that we are getting worth and value and hope from other sources, those other sources will all let us down eventually. And not only that, but everything we talk about, when we talk about peace, when we talk about joy, everything we sing about, to that degree, it's not going to feel real to you. 
it's not going to be an experienced reality in your life. You're going to be like, what are we singing about? This isn't true. I think I'm a Christian, but I'm not. But the problem is you're not rooted in Christ. You're not continuing step by step, moment by moment. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to understand the joy we're singing about. You're not going to understand the peace that passes all understanding. Because even though you've said a prayer and you received Christ as Lord way back when, right now the truth is you're rooted in something other than Christ. Amen. And unfortunately, I think this is where a lot of people are. So, how many of y'all are with me right now? Okay. So here's the main challenge we're up against. Is that in the Western world, and you and I live in the Western world, we tend to be a people who compartmentalize our lives. We kind of separate our lives. We're not very holistic. We're probably the most non-holistic civilization in the history of humankind. We put things in categories. And here's one of the main ways we do it. We have one category and we say, well, this is the part of my life that's holy and sacred and spiritual. And then we build a wall and then we say over here, this is my secular life, my ordinary mundane life. And we put these two things in separate categories, holy, secular, spiritual, mundane, ordinary. So as part of our holy spiritual part of our life, well, this is when we come to church. This is when we might pray. This is when, you know, like Friday for lunch, we might fast, Project 58. So we do these types of things. Well, that's part of our life that's in the holy category, spiritual category. But most of our life is lived in this other section on the other side of the wall. It's lived in the secular, ordinary, mundane world. And the problem is when we're dwelling on this side, Usually our minds are not really on Christ at all. Our minds tend to be formed by our physical surroundings and by the task at hand. So, so while I'm over here in the secular mundane world, I'm grocery shopping and my mind is totally absorbed in grocery shopping. And while I'm driving my car, my mind is totally absorbed in driving that car. And while I'm reading a book, my mind's totally absorbed in the book. And while, while I'm fixing the toilet, my mind's totally absorbed in fixing the toilet. And Christ really isn't in our minds. In fact, the way we shop, the way we drive, the way we read, the way we fix toilets is the exact same way that a non-believer would do it. There's no difference. And what we tend to do, and sometimes we don't do this consciously, is we'll actually, while we're living here in the secular, mundane, ordinary part of our life, we tend to push Christ out of our minds and we keep him boxed in in this holy spiritual side. But 98% of our life is lived over here in the mundane world. And 98% of our life we live as if Christ doesn't even exist. We're not aware of him at all. In fact, if, if while we're in the midst of grocery shopping, if Christ just suddenly disappeared, we wouldn't even notice because our minds are totally absorbed in grocery shopping. And so to go back to Paul's analogy, we're walking just like everybody else walks. And see, to the degree that our, our mundane, secular, ordinary life doesn't have Christ in it, to that degree, we're going to be living under the clouds. And a lot of this stuff we talk about and sing about on Sundays is not going to feel real to you. It's not going to be part of your experienced life. Because we're blocking out of our awareness the most important thing about us, and that is that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. 
And he wants us every moment of the day, every step to be getting all of our nourishment from him, keeping him in our minds, regardless of what we're doing. And to the degree that we push Christ out of our mind as we go about our secular lives, to that degree, well, this bottomless reservoir of living water inside of us is just going to feel like a desert. And we're going to be feeling fearful even though we've got a spirit of fearlessness in us. And we're going to feel anxious even though we've been given a peace that passes all understanding on the inside of us. And we're going to be feeling like paupers even though in reality we're children of royalty. And we're going to be feeling like we're just sitting in a church building or just grocery shopping or just fixing the toilet even though the truth is that whatever else we're doing, we are in the very heart of the triune God. And so here's the thing. We surrender our life to Jesus, but we forget that the only life we have to surrender to Jesus is the moment you're living right now. Life is present tense. The past is the past. The future is the future. You can't act on either the past or the future. The only moment you have is this moment right here. And that's what life is. Life is a series of present moments strung together. Yesterday's you is gone. Tomorrow's you is not here yet. The only you that exists that is real is the one I'm looking at right now and talking to. This is you. And this is the only you you can submit. So to surrender our life to Jesus, if it means anything, it means to surrender this very moment to Jesus. And now this moment. And now this moment. Moment by moment. Step by step. See, nobody would ever say, hey, everybody, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm just not going to take any steps. No, to go for a walk is to step one at a time. And so also to surrender your life to Jesus means I'm going to learn to stay present to him and submit every moment to Jesus. You can't, su you can't submit your life to Jesus if you're not submitting your individual moments to Jesus. That's the only life you have to submit to him. So here's the goal. The goal is this wall that separates the holy from the secular, the goal is we've got to tear down this wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And we're not going to have these categories of holy and mundane. What we're going to say is, you know what? It's all holy. And it's all sacred. And it's all spiritual. And fixing the toilet now becomes a sacred activity because Jesus is right here fixing it with me. And as I'm driving my car, it becomes a holy act because I remember Jesus is in the car with me. And I'm grocery shopping with Jesus. Therefore, now it's a sacred act. And I'm reading my book knowing that even as I'm reading, I'm, I'm sitting in the heart of the triune God. It all becomes holy. It all becomes spiritual. It all becomes sacred. All of life because we're learning to surrender each present moment to Jesus. And if you think about it, it really is the simplest thing in the world. But it's so challenging. Right? This is, what I'm talking about is very challenging to do. To learn how to stay aware of Christ. But it's essential to our discipleship. I'll never forget, I think it was like six years ago, my dad and I 
had the privilege and the honor of being invited to go to a seminary in India, Kerala, India. One of the great experiences and great honors of my life to go to India and meet some believers there. And we flew into, uh, we eventually finished our long trek and flew into a little airport there, southwestern tip of India, in a city called Trivandrum. And we were picked up at the airport by a brother in Christ named Alexi George. Alexi's been here before. And he pastors a vineyard church there in southern India. And Alexi doesn't know this, but he made such an impression on me that I have not forgotten. And he picks us up from the airport, and we greet one another and get our bags in his Jeep, and we get inside, and we're driving in India, which um, if you want to be aware of your mortality, let somebody drive you around India. It's indescribable. We, we had a two-hour drive from the airport to the seminary, and on that two-hour drive, we had 10, I would say 10 close calls. <laughs> and um, so there's no sleeping in the car uh, on a trip in India. But anyway, he's driving, and we're talking, and we're getting to know each other. And every few moments, maybe every, I would say every 20, 30 minutes, Alexi just uh, says, thank you, Jesus. And we go to talking again, and we're talking about this guy on a rickshaw. And, man, the traffic here is nuts. Man, there's so many people. Yeah, let me tell you about it. And we're having a conversation, and then about 20 minutes later, thank you, Jesus. The whole week. It wasn't obnoxious. It was natural, though. This is a man who has trained himself to just stay aware of Jesus, regardless of what he's doing, even driving through the, t the Daytona 500 that is called normal India traffic. He has disciplined himself to stay aware. And that's where I want to be. I don't think any of us should have Jesus on our minds 24-7 to the point where we never have anything else in our minds. Otherwise, we couldn't function. We have to put our minds on other things. But what we need to learn to do is to discipline ourselves every few moments to bring Jesus back into our mind frame so that we have our walkie-talkies on and we're sensitive if our commanding officer gives us an order. So I'm going to give you a few quick tips real quick. Number one, start in the morning first thing. I used to not teach this way. I used to believe, you know what, people are different. Some people are a night person. Some people are a morning person. You just find a time that works best for you. And some people, you know, if you meet with God at night and that's your prayer time, fine. I, I don't believe that anymore. I don't. I join thousands and thousands of other Christians throughout the history of the church and in the scripture who believe it's important to take the first block of time in the morning and give it to God. I've just, I've learned that. I've, the psalmist says, early in the morning I seek you. Well, Pastor Ryan, I'm not a night person. I, I, discipline yourself then. Try that at boot camp. Try telling your drill sergeant, sir, I know wake-up calls at 5 o'clock. I'm a night person, though. Guess what? You're going to find out that you can discipline yourself. 
Discipline yourself to give God the first block of time. Our secretaries here at our church will tell you that they see me walk in, and I go in my office and I close my door, and you will not see me again for another hour, hour and a half. Because I've learned that Ryan Post is not a good enough Christian to be able to authentically serve Christ for my day if I haven't given the first block of time to him. I've got to have meaningful time with Jesus to set my course for the day. Start in the morning, first thing. The second thing, and and this one's probably even a little more challenging, but you can do it. You can discipline yourself to do this. Begin to develop a habit where you take breaks throughout the day just to remember that Christ is present and stay yielded to him. I try to do this in the middle of my day. I have a timer that goes off on my phone. I don't always do it the moment the timer hits, but I'll stop what I'm doing. And and, and the first time I have available, I, I pause. And I'll just close the door and just take three or five minutes and just remind myself Jesus is present. Maybe I um, sing a little song, hum a, hum, a, hum a song to him, or meditate on a passage. But I remind myself, so maybe you have a little pocket of time in the day where you can do that, even if it's once. And maybe you're not like a person that has a routine. Maybe your day's always crazy. But perhaps there's at least one time. Maybe you have to every day pick up your kids at school. I got to go pick up my kid. And just, just resolve, you know what, on the, on the ride to school, as I'm driving, I'm just going to stay present. I'm going to remind myself. I'm going to bring Jesus back into my mind. And learn to discipline yourself to do that. Thirdly, put reminders into your life. I told somebody about this this week. Very simple. But just remind yourself and put some reminders. Write something down and put it somewhere you know you're going to see it every day. Maybe on your driver's steering wheel, on your bathroom mirror. Wherever you know you're going to look at it, put a reminder. Just put stay present or Jesus is here or something like that. And uh, keep it in front of you. And then the last thing is, you know, all of this works better with friends. This all works better with community. And maybe there's another person or two you know who also has a goal to learn how to stay more aware of Jesus. And just find one another and say, you know what, let's encourage one another in this. That's what Hebrews says, spur one another on. And maybe there's a couple people that you can help spur one another on. And every so often, maybe, maybe send them a text. Hey, are you present? Remember, Jesus is with you. He's with you always. Or, or you're rooted in Christ. Or, or uh, you're located in the heart of the triune God. Just something, whatever it is, just a little text to encourage them. I guarantee you, if somebody were to text me at any point in the day and ask me, Ryan, are you present right now to the Lord? Probably 98% of the time, I'd have to say no. And that's a testimony to how pagan I am. But it's also a testimony to how much we need other people in our lives helping us to stay this course. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Northside Assembly of God, check out our website at www.northsidecrowley.com.